she tells us all the time, I want to stay with you. That's the hardest thing. You know, we know it's going to be very good for her to be with her family and we want that for her. Welcome back, everybody. Today, Dan and I are going to be talking about reunification to kick off our sending off series. And to prepare us, Dan's got a little definition for us. Yes. Yeah, so uh, reunification offers a second chance for parents and children to have stable, happy, um, healthy family life. And to simply put it, reunification happens when children return to live with their parents and their birth parents or their family members full time. You know, it's pretty wild. We were just looking at some numbers. Um, three to five, three out of five kids reunify with their birth parents or family member. And, you know, sometimes as foster parents, we're like, is that the better life? They would have a better life living with us, we believe. Um, and, you know, Josh, why is that so important? Yeah. And I think that thought is really tough. We'll talk about it here in a little bit, but you know, it's definitely a common thought that people think. They think that, you know, maybe my home is in a better neighborhood or maybe I can provide different things than the biological family can. And so, you know, those thoughts are going to cross through your mind as you're, you know, thinking about reunification. Maybe you're like on the cusp of it in your specific case. Uh, but it's really important that the child maintain those connections with their family. I mean, it just promotes a better mental health. It's going to reduce their anxiety. It's going to keep them, you know, really in a happier life. And it's all for the kid, right? Like, you know, we kind of look at it that foster care is kind of a cyclical thing at times. And maybe the parents were in foster care. Maybe the parents before them should have been in foster care. I mean, it's, it's a tough cycle. So anytime reunification can happen, it's obviously important for the child to break that you know, they see what it's like to get back home. They see what it is to live in that environment. And maybe they learn some things that they're like, you know what? I don't want this to be for my family when I'm older. So this is what I'm going to change. But they're not going to see those things unless they're able to go back into that environment. You know, they have attachments to their extended family still. You know, a lot of times if, if a child has moved around a bunch in foster care or, you know, they get old enough to age out of the system, whatever may happen, they may lose connection with a lot of that extended family just because, they're in a completely different environment. You know, you rip them really out of their home and everything that they know, and you put them somewhere else. So really for the kid to be able to stay attached to those traditions, their extended family, and then those cultural aspects of their life, it's so important that they have the chance to reunify. And that's why, you know, Dan and I both are, are experiencing this right now. Um, Dan has a, a foster daughter that has been with them for a very long time. And um, we have a foster son that's been with us for almost a year now, and they're both looking to reunify really soon. Uh, Dan, I think yours is coming up very, uh, very soon here in the next <laughs> yeah, really few really weeks. Soon. So won't you tell us a little bit about that and kind of where you're at, maybe some things that you're struggling with, maybe some things you're really excited for. You know, I, I think it's important for the people listening to this podcast to hear the real side of it. You know, a lot of times we don't hear a lot about reunification. Um, we hear a lot about adoptions that are celebrated and they're mm. big and exciting and stuff like that. But, you know, it is something to be celebrated, but also comes with a lot of emotions. And so, Dan, maybe you can share a little bit about your guys' current experience with reunification, mm. what the whole process has been like for you all and kind of where you're at and what you're looking forward to. 
Absolutely. Um, so when we started this process of, we were like, we had just had live a couple years before and we're like, I really think we want to adopt a kid and, um, went into the whole thing thinking maybe it'd be a good thing to do is to adopt a kid. And someone pushed us into foster care and said, you really need to look into this first. Um, and that's kind of where we started this whole process. Um, and then with the hopes of potentially fostering to adopt, we didn't think that we would have our very first placement with us for over three years. Um, but here we are. It's, it's been a roller coaster. Um, we have gone probably three or four times now where it was reunification. No, we're going to be able to adopt reunification, adopt reunification, adopt. And then now we're back to reunification. So um, there's been times that um, she has gone to, full overnights, full weekends, and then changing all of a sudden to, hey, we want you to adopt her. And yeah, then that's, changing again. That's crazy because, and you talked on our last podcast about 17 pretrials. Like the amount of changes that you all have experienced in the last couple of years has been insane. It's been crazy. The Like I think five different caseworkers from, Ham from Hamilton County, from our agency, I think we've had four workers yeah. i mean it's crazy um but you know we're about a month away from her going home to live with her aunt and the emotional toll that it takes is just so heavy my wife i mean there's like multiple evenings she's just breaks down she's like you know it's not fair you know it's it's hard and, you know, I don't want someone to hear this as, like, it's not that we don't want her to go live with her family member. That's not that's not it. It's just it's something that we've grown attached to and loved and has become part of our family. And regardless of how much time we're going to spend with them, they're not going to be with us every single day. And that's been our life for the past three-plus years. And so it is hard. Um, are we grateful for the relationship that we have with this family member? Absolutely. We are so excited for them to be able to experience life together. You know what I mean? Um, at Christmas time, she, uh, her, her aunt was tell, like, telling us for the past three years, they've been like getting Christmas presents together and saving them for her for when she comes home. So she was able to open up Christmas presents, even though stuff was too small <laughs> and didn't fit her anymore, but able yeah. to open up Christmas pre like presents for the past three years. And that's a moment that they'll never forget. Um, and so the, the, the emotional side of things, are, it's really going to take a toll. But if you have a good family, a good group around you, I believe that you're going to be able to get through it. Um, we're excited for the future, but it's going to just be a, it's just going to be a long road of recovery. Um, her, her aunt always says, it's just the address that's changing. Nothing else. And so, we're believing in that and we love her aunt. She's become part of our family. And it's just been, it's just been, it's been amazing to see the transformation of, um, of who she is, where we thought, who we thought she was to who she is in real life. You know what I mean? That we were told multiple things from multiple people, but now we actually know who she is and got to know her and been in her home every week. We're in her home spending time with her. Um, it's been really amazing.
Yeah. And, you know, thinking about getting to know her and, you know, for those of you that maybe you're not foster parents yet and you're looking to be, and, you know, you found this podcast and you're trying to like test the waters, feel what it's about. This is actually going to be a pretty heavy episode, but we're glad that you're here. Um, when you get a foster placement, you get like, it's like a packet. It feels like they're like, this is all the information we have on the child. And if you look through those packets, you know, we talked about caseworkers being overworked last week and, you know, how they have so many kids on their caseload. There is just not enough information in those packets. I mean, you know, they, they could come into your home and it say, uh, talk about one incident that they had at school and it's negative. And so then it's like, oh, child misbehaved at school during this. It's like they have uh, defiance disorder. They have all of these different things. And you're like, wait, but you're all just judging them off that, off that one thing. And then Dan, like you said, like over the last three years, you all have got to know her and truly like, I'm sure whatever is in that packet is completely null and void at this point. It's like you have gotten to know the true her and who she is. And even, you know, she's young enough to where you've helped develop a lot of that. So like, I can see like how, sending her off, you know, to another family member. And you're right. Like it's, she's with you day in and day out. There have been overnights, obviously, and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, you're the one that's ultimately been responsible for her. And it's like, you're just passing that responsibility after three years off to someone. And then, you know, when it's going to be different when you come home, it's different when, you know, Olivia goes to school. It's, you know, that, that stuff's hard to think about. Do you like find yourself, you know, being a month, being a month out thinking about that stuff often? Yeah. Um, it's hard, man. You know, as, as a male and how I'm raised, how we're raised to be as these tough guys and we're supposed to hold our emotions in and we're supposed to be strong for the family. Like there's times that I think that I'm not dealing with it well and I take it out on, you know, just life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yep. I'm quick to anger. And I think a lot of that is, my own tra trauma from this. Um, I'm dealing with it in a different way. You know, my daughter, she's dealing with it as to not think about it. Um, my wife is more emotional than I am. You know, our foster daughter is also transitioning. She tells us all the time, I want to stay with you. And we, and it's, that's the hardest thing. You know, we know it's going to be very good for her to be with her family. And we want that for her. We, she needs that. She needs that in her life. Um, and we'll be right alongside her no matter what. But my biggest concern is Liv. I mean, she's seven. They sleep in the same room. They fight like sisters. They're best <laughs> friends. They spend all their time together. And then changes. Yeah. My heart breaks for that. I mean, how do you tell a seven-year-old... Your sister's not coming home. When that's all you, I mean, Olivia was, she's seven now. So she was what? Three, two or no, four like, when we got four, yeah. our foster daughter, our foster daughter. I mean, she, her brain's still developing. Like she's still growing up and she's still like, there's not a lot of memories before her. And for our foster daughter, there's like no memories before us. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, it's, um, you know, Trying to deal with that has been very difficult. Dealing with moving a car seat out of our car, you know, one less person at the dinner table, 
one less iPad to charge, <laughs> one less a water bottle to fill up. Yeah. It's going to be very difficult. And um, I think being strong in your faith, being strong in your relationships with your friends and your family and your loved ones, they're going to be able to be around you to support you and be vulnerable, be open, talk about it, go see a therapist. I think that's hugely important, especially in the middle of transition. I know that I need to go see a therapist. I know that I need to go have time with someone just to talk to. So. Yeah, I, I can't, you know, I, I'm also trying to kind of imagine it. We don't have a timeline yet for um, when T is going to be going back home, but you know, obviously he's been with us less time. He's been with us for about a year. Um, but those, you know, those connections are still built and still, you know, we have a lot of those same feelings. I remember back before, you know, I did training or anything like that for foster care. My wife had brought it up and she's like, this is what foster care is. This is, you know, the goal is reunification and all this stuff. I was thinking about it and I was like, why would you want to send a child back into a place that they got ripped out of for being, you know, neglected, abused, you know, whatever it may have been. Like, obviously it wasn't a good place. And so it just changes in a year or two years or, you know, whatever it is. I just remember having those thoughts. And I think there's a, uh, there's a class on the pre-placement training, at least for Ohio, where they talk about reunification and the possibility of it. And, you know, we talked about some of those things about promoting better mental health and reducing anxiety in the child and things like that. And so I remember starting to think more about it then. And I was still honestly like a little skeptical. I was like, I mean, I get it. You know, in my head, I was like, I get it. But like, I I don't get it. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't fully understand it. And now, you know, we've been doing foster care for almost two years, hadn't experienced it. You know, the first um, two that were in and out of our house were teenagers. And so now to have a three-year-old that's going to be going back home, it is much different. And same thing, you know, we got the packet with him that said, this is who he is and this is what he does. And obviously for, you know, a two-year-old, it's, <laughs> there's not a lot in there. It's like not potty trained, like he uses baby words, you know, all they, the, they eat too many gummy snacks, all the fruit, dude, <laughs> we go to Costco like once every couple weeks and I swear we have to buy one of those mad things of like fruit snacks every single time we go. It's like, how do y'all eat 135 packs of fruit snacks like, in two weeks? You turn around and, and he's just like, he's just like, ah. <laughs> um, quick shout out real fast. Happy birthday, Jack Jackson. It's yeah. It is Jackson's birthday today. He's four. What a core. Oh. Yeah. You guys are such good parents to them. Dude, it's um, crazy. I do want to say something though, too, man. You talk about the packet. We can talk about this too. Like when they say they sometimes will come with a trash bag of stuff, like A came with a little giant black trash bag of clothes Yep. to our house. Like they like dropped her off. Like, here you go. Let's sit down and talk for a minute. And like, you know, <laughs> just, just, just stuff. It's crazy. Yeah. It's like, they have like, maybe like a stuffed animal that smells in it and like some, like a bag of clothes and stuff like that. And, you know, for us, it was, um, they were coming from a different placement. Uh, for you all, was it, did she go straight into foster care and come to your house? Mm -hmm. Okay. So like, it was much different for you because, you know, for that, it's like, okay, we need to get all our stuff, stuff, trash bag, let's go. So like for yeah. us, it was kind of like, you know, we went and picked up some stuff, but like, it was still just like a bunch of stuff shoved in a backpack. And it was just like, you know, 
a backpack's great, but like it was, you can tell it was one of those like foster care backpacks. It was one of those, you know what I'm talking about, where it's yeah, like, yeah. oh, hey, we're giving out free backpacks. And it's like old and ratty. And it's like, there's like, like some the holes in the, the bottom. <laughs> it's like a the third bank. Back- yeah. Backpack. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And, you know, there's a place close to us called Hope's Closet. And, you know, when you get a, a placement, they let you come there and get some stuff. And I'm pretty sure they have bags and clothes and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff that you can get. Um, that place is great, by the way. If you're in Ohio and you're near the Cincinnati area, uh, I think it's in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Check out Hope's Closet. Like, give them a ring. I don't know if it's just for Hamilton and Butler County, but um, you definitely have to check them out because they have they're all awesome. the things that you would ever need. Yeah, and they're awesome. I think you can go every year, right? I believe so. Um, and also, if you're interested in like giving or financially giving to them, they could use it. They're yeah. awesome. Those people are just great. Um, they do such a good job at what they do. So big shout out to hopes. Yeah, for sure. So like, uh, but that's what it is. I mean, literally it's like kid coming with a trash bag and a packet and you're like, okay, <laughs> like <laughs> let's maybe start with a bath. <laughs> like let's, yeah, yeah. let's, like, hungry? <laughs> let's like get a, you know, let's like get a detox, figure out what you need. And it's hard for little kids, right? Because little kids don't know what the heck's going on. And, you know, depending on the teenager that may come into your home, like they may just, shut down or they may, you know, lash out in anger. They may yell at you. They may, you know, you just honestly never know. It's like at that moment, you are just a new placement and a new person that, you know, if it's somebody that's moved around in foster care and foster homes a lot, maybe they're just trying to get by, you know, maybe they're trying to, that's the only thing they can control. Um, Mm -hmm. Or for little kids, it's like, they don't know anything about you and think about little kids trusting people, you know, they're not always quick to trust. Um, but I think sometimes in foster care, you get little kids that are quick to trust. And that's kind of scary. Like, mm-hmm. I think when he first got to our house, it was him and his sister. And we went to the playroom and they were just like jumping around all over the place, jumping on me, playing with me. <laughs> like he said, I love you. Like the first day he was here, like, gave me a big hug. And it's like, this is great, but it's not healthy. <laughs> like, it's, This is awesome that you love me, but like, you don't know me. And so I think, you know, we've been able to kind of, show him a little bit about that over the past year but yeah thinking about reunification and like him going back home you know we do have two other little ones we have a a four-year-old jackson and a one and a half year old judah so for them like that is their brother and Mm -hmm. they're they you know they eat together they play together on the weekends we go to the museum together like there's all these things that we they have done together for the last almost year and we've been trying to like prep Jackson because we think he'll probably be affected the most by this um, other than Emily and I, but like trying to explain to him, like, Hey buddy, um, you know, T is going to be going to a family's house this weekend. Like he'll be going back home for the weekend, but he'll be back on Monday or be back on Sunday. And so him just being like, is he going to stay there? You know, he asked me now all the time since we've been talking to him, are we going to pick, are we going to pick T up from school? Like, yep, we're going to pick him up from school. And he goes, yay. And if he's in a bad, if he's in a bad mood, he goes, oh, <laughs> it's, so, it's so funny to hear him. But when he steals his toys, he's like, I don't think he, he can just stay. Up. It's like, yeah, he can go. <laughs> it's fine. He's, he can go back home. I want my toys. <laughs> but to think about that. And then, you know, I think about what Emily and I, you know, having three little kids and a teenager in the house is tough. And so for us, like there is somewhat of like a selfish sense of relief of like, 
oh man, like, and we've even said it, like when he's gone on the weekends and it's just Jackson and Judah at the house, it's like, oh man, like this is really easy. Like this is going to be, this is going to be kind of nice. Like it's not about the amount of food he eats. It's not about like going to the bathroom. It's not about like any of that stuff. It's like we drive two places in the morning. We have three separate bedtime routines that we have to do with three different kids. Like they're so little, it's hard to do it all together because they just get distracted. So, you know, thinking about some of those things, I'm like, yeah, life is going to be easier. But like we didn't sign up for foster care to do the easy thing. Like it's like the, it, it is tough. And if you're a foster parent and you have little children, like, you know, it's tough and it, it's going to be hard. Like there's going to be moments where, you know, biological kid lashes out at the foster kid or the foster kid lashes out at the biological kid. And there's a fight that you have to break up. And, you know, it, it <laughs> happens almost all of the time. And so you think about those little moments, like, sure, they're not going to be there anymore, but like at the same time, you're probably going to miss that a lot. And I know that I'm going to miss it. Like, I think for me, I try to act like I'm not going to miss it. I'm like, Oh yeah, we'll see him on the weekends. Like it'll be all good. His mom's even said, you know, he, she said that, yeah, you know, y'all, y'all can still see him on the weekend or y'all can come over. And we know that that will be there. Like we've had pretty open communication with her through the whole uh, process. Um, but that doesn't make it any easier. I think that, you know, mm. like Dan, like Dan said, you know, she's with you day in and day out. And he's been with us day in and day out for the last year. And then to be like, oh, let's try to schedule a time to be with him. Just is kind of like, wait, what? Like, what do you mean? We're not just going to like go to the museum on Saturday morning and it's just like a thing. And then we're going to go to like CC's Pizza afterwards. That's not going to happen. <laughs> so I'm going to be, I'm going to be coming with you. No matter what, we're going to CC's. Yeah. Oh my gosh, dude. That's been a really bad habit, but it's been so much fun. <laughs> I love CC's pizza. I think you make a good point though. Like, like I think it's healthy to know like where you are in a level. Like it's hard because you feel like guilty. Like, oh man, it's going to be easier now that there's one less kid there. It doesn't matter who it is. It would, of course, it's going to be a little bit easier when there's one less kid. And right. there's something to look forward to that, but your life is different. Your life has become, become some like something with this other child, like child. So like that is now what life is. And so it's just weird, like bittersweetness. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Which we've, we've had that like talk to. It's like, you know, when, when a is at her aunt's house and it's just me and Jess and Liv, it's like, Oh, like, Someone's not sitting on top of me or punching me or taking my hat or crying because she can't get her Roblox to work on her tablet, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, it's that sense of like, oh, well, that's gone. But it's like, oh, man, like, that's gone. Like, she's not here. Yeah. And it hurts and it's painful. Um, So, yeah. So something else we didn't even talk about with reunification is what happens with all this stuff? What yeah. happens when they go home? And we're dealing with that literally like this past week. We've been like cleaning. We're like, <laughs> oh, man, like this is three years of crap. <laughs> like, what right. you yeah. Uh, like um, all these clothes and toys. You're just like, ah. <laughs> she can't get rid of anything because it's theirs. And so right. like Liv and A were just fighting over like, no, that's my Barbie doll. She's like, not <laughs> mine. And they're just like pulling as hard as they can and like crying and fights and 
Luckily, oh, that's was, tough. I was not there last night. When it was yeah. Done. See, what we did is uh, once T started doing weekends, mm-hmm. we just took a box of toys when none of the kids were here and we put it in the van and we went and gave it to her. We're like, here you go. You can keep these here. <laughs> so we got rid of a bunch of stuff, which is nice. That's what you should do, by the way. You should yeah. just get rid of them. Yeah, then, but I mean, I'll never see them. years worth of stuff. Yeah, that's true. And it's in a it's move. A like we moved oh, from yeah, one that's to right. house, and now they're just everywhere. Because I think we just piled things in boxes. Like we got to get out of this house. Yep. <laughs> um. So, but maybe this might be a good opportunity to be able to take to somewhere like Hope's Closet, shout out, or the Goodwill, or Salvation Army, or whoever, or other foster parents that are in need of things. So, um, that's just something that comes along with reunification. Yeah, seriously, there's so much stuff, and I think. You know, talking about some of that, um, you know, getting rid of toys or maybe there's going to be something that A really loves that is left at the house. Um, You know, not only are are the behavior is going to start to show for like, you know, because the kids, like you said, Dan, like they're going in a transition, like it's a transitionary period where it's not just like they're in your home and then they Mm -hmm. go in like they go back home or to a family member's home. It's like, it's a whole process. And, you know, it it may be different from case to case, but I think it looks something like they have their regular visits and then they start to do a longer extended unsupervised visit. And then they start to do some overnights and then they start to do some weekends. And then if everything starts to move together, it's like, all right, let's set a date. And those weekends start happening more frequently. And then, then they go. It's not just like, hey, we have a kid, we have all their stuff, and then hey, by the way, tomorrow they're going back home. Uh, you know, well, go just ahead for and send their stuff. Yeah, for some context, I think we've been doing visits since August or September. So that's five months. Yeah, and, and, and we asked for transitional time because we knew that little a she struggled with transition. We saw that going from preschool into a different classrooms from going from preschool to kindergarten, have to learn that from moving from leaving her friends. So, I mean, like we knew that she struggled already with this. So we asked for that regardless. We've already, we've, I think we've had four pretrials since that. I was going to say, yeah, you've had a whole lot. You've had a whole (laughs) lot of transition time, but in that, like you talk about her struggling with the transition, like I think that's a good opportunity for us to talk about some of the behaviors we might see, you know, in our foster children that are going to be reunifying. And too, like even your biological children, if you have biological children. So, you know, one of the biggest things I think we've noticed is like there are moments of detachment. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's a uh, we we haven't talked to T a lot about it. You know, he's three, like he's not going to fully understand the whole thing, but I think that he kind of understands that he's not going to be with us forever. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he started asking more recently when I pick him up, am I going to go to visit? It's like, no, you're not going to visit today. And he kind of like cries and then he kind of, you know, gets past the crying and then he's all good. And then he's like, yay, I'll go to your house. And it's like, it's sad to think about like in his head when I pick him up from daycare, he doesn't know where he's going. Like the thought of that like truthfully like breaks my heart because it's like I'm picking him up and I'm like excited to see him. I'm like, hey, buddy, how's it going? It's like, Am I going to go to visit? And then it's like, okay, first off, 
I know you really like visit and I'm going to have to break your heart. Nobody, you're not going to visit. And he's like, ah, it's like, but you're going to see them on Saturday, which then brings up those feelings of like, man, he's going to be gone all weekend. That's going to be nice, but man, it's going to suck. And then it's like, he comes back around for him to like cope. And then he gets like overly excited about it. And he starts to be like, yeah, I can't wait to see Jackson. Yeah. I can't wait to eat dinner. Like all these things. And then he gets home and he may say something ridiculous. Like, I want to go to mommy's house or I don't like you anymore. I don't love you. Like all these different little things that they may say. And, you know, your kids are definitely going to be doing this. Like there's no doubt about it. If you have a little child and they're reunifying, like they're going to feel all these different feelings. They're going to maybe lash out. They're going to maybe be angry. And you'll notice Mm -hmm. maybe some behaviors that you thought were gone are starting to like come back. It's like those, those don't go away. Like, trauma that they've experienced is all maybe coming back um you know thinking about going home thinking about detaching from you and being with their family again it's hard for them and they don't always know how to process it so you know as much as we can kind of help them help them you know by explaining or through play with toys like even things like that you can play with a toy where you're like oh hey like you're you're my mommy i love you so much and then it's like okay Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to move here now with my other mommy. And it's like, okay, bye. We love you. We'll see you soon. And like, you know, kids learn a lot through play, which is really cool. That, that could be a, a whole series in itself, but it could be a whole series. That's dude, sure. Seriously. But your, your kids, you know, rest assured, like they will feel all of these things. They will act out. They will, it transitions tough. It's even tough for adults. Like Dan said, like he feels a little bit more angry. I've definitely felt a little bit more angry at times. Like, you're going to feel all those things. So, you know, I mean, transition's tough. It's just hard. It's just not, it's not fun. I mean, let's just be yeah. honest. Let's just call it what it is. It's not fun. Yeah. It's not something that like you, you feel like you hear about in pre-placement you hear about that and you hear people talking about it, but like until you're in it, do you understand really what it's like? But that's kind of what we wanted to give you guys is an opportunity to, to hear it from us, what we've dealt with. And, you know, you said it transition is hard. Um, yeah. for a, she does a lot of, she's a, she's like a flailer. Oh yeah. She flails a lot. And, um, <laughs> I think I get hit like in in the private area, at least like once or twice a week. Like, I'm like, stop. Like I I'll just turn around and she's just flailing. She's either dancing or doing something, but, um, she, she reacts in hitting. She, she punched Liv right in the face <laughs> in the back seat. I'm just Jeez. like, I saw it and was like. Hey, what are you doing? Did you just punch your sister in the face? Right. And she's like, no. Nah. They're both like shocked in the backseat. Like, Liv, Liv's just crying. He's just like, I didn't do that. I'm like, I watched you punch her in the face. So now even. you just lied. Um, You're an idiot, so like, Dad. <laughs> we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to have a consequence. And that's just what's going to have to happen. So we had a five minute sit down. Um, so those are those things is like there, there's behaviors that are happening, um, because they are feeling it. Our foster children are feeling it just as much as you are as the parent and just as much as the kid is, um, our, our biological kids. So we have to get on their level. We have to talk to them as real humans, not just, you know, they're that person that they're this, like sit down with them, get on their level and explain to them that you understand and love them and show them the care that they deserve. It kind of makes me think about like, how else do we prepare? Like, obviously we know that those things are coming. 
Um, we know that reunification is the goal. And the, the crazy thing about reunification being the goal, and you know, I don't think reunification is the goal in every single case. I think for most cases, you know, some type of safe permanence is the goal, whether that be back in home and back with a family or. Um, exactly. Like the foster care thing is reunification is the goal. Like that's, that's yeah. the overlying thing. But sometimes it's not the best and yeah. that's case by case by case. And we said a lot about that in the previous yeah. Se- season. Yeah. It's yeah. case by but- case. Uh, that used to be my like least favorite answer in pre-placement training. They'd be like, well, what about this? And the trainer's like, well, that's really a case by case basis. I I would go home and talk to Emily and be like, Oh, I hate that answer. But like now being in it, I'm like, Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It is very, (laughs) it's very case by case. I thought the Uh, exact same thing and we were not in it together. Yeah. Yeah. And so thinking about like, you know, how do we prepare ourselves for, reunification. I think the, probably the most important thing is like you're in it every day with a child and having to like explain to them what's going on. Make sure that you're talking with your caseworker and you fully understand what that reunification plan Mm -hmm. is. Like understand the things that, you know, maybe mom or dad have to do or family member has to do before they go back home. Understand, you know, what the timeline is. Like, you know, that's one thing that right now we don't have a timeline. And so you know, Emily's been kind of asking, you know, hey, do we have a timeline yet? Like, what's the goal? When is this going to start? We know this needs to happen. When's that going to happen? So, you know, understanding the timeline and understanding the full reunification plan is very, very important so that you can help guide your child in that. You can help kind of guide yourself in that too. And your, your, your family, your biological family and maybe your even extended family, you know, like I know my mom and um, my sister and, you know, other family members are like, you know, when's T going home? Like, when's the last time we're going to see him? And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know yet. And that could be pretty tough. And we're dealing with that too. My mom has been like our rock. Like she went and did four classes so she could have um, some training done and she could be, um, what's the word? Um, respite. A respite. Yeah. Why can't I think of respite? I don't know. Uh, anyway, so she could you be need- res- a respite certified. Um, she, you know, picks up the girls on Mondays. She spends the evening with them so we can have a, a date day. Um, but like, she has to deal with the transition too. Yeah. I mean, that's A's grandma. Like that's like she. She cannot wait to see my mom. <laughs> they both like, Grandma's coming over. This is gonna be the best night ever. Um, they're just like eating pop popcorn and candy and ice cream, and we get home from date, and it's just like, like they're still uh. like, like, I want to just watch a movie with my with my wife, and these kids are up and like looking me in the face, like, go to bed. Um, but I think I think you make just a great point, man. Just, you know, it's tough for, for all the family members too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. The, the trauma that, you know, the grief and loss and everything isn't just in your home. Like it's, it'll be your full extended family when reunification happens. And, you know, that can be hard to think about. It's like, it's hard to be like supportive of something that's going to truthfully like break the heart of your whole family. Mm-hmm. But like as a foster parent, that is your job. Like your job is not to make decisions. 
you know, you can advocate where you can, but like ultimately in court, no one's like, Hmm, who's the foster parent of the child? Oh yeah. Josh, Josh, uh, won't you tell us the plan and and we'll just go with that. Like no one's asking you. No one cares. They'll they'll ask you your opinion potentially. Like you may talk at like one of the semi-annual reviews, but you know, at, at any of these like disposition or pre-trials or anything like that, like you're probably not going to say anything. And so it's important for you, you know, if you have any communication with the birth family, if you have any communication, you know, with whoever they're going home to be supportive, like mm-hmm. open that avenue of communication to be like, Hey, these are the things that we have for this child. You know, what do you need? Like, do you have their bed sheets? Like we have extra bed sheets. Do you have their toys? Yes. We have all these toys or maybe they wear diapers or pull-ups and you know, you're like, Hey, we have all this box all ready to go for when they come home. Just open that line of communication and be supportive. It's, it's not your job to try to fight the system. And I know that that can sound really hard because mm-hmm. there may be times where your pride gets in the way and it says, I'm a better parent. They should stay with me. I don't agree with this. If that's you, especially us dads, I'm talking to the dads right now, suck it up, put those feelings aside, talk to somebody about it. You can talk to Dan or I, <laughs> join our Facebook group, talk to us. We will, you know, we've, we fought some of those feelings. I know that I fought some of those feelings as well. But it's important to talk about it, to kind of find someone that you can work through it with, and then to be supportive. Because as you start to be supportive, and as you start to educate yourself on why reunification is important, then you'll start to see, okay, this really does need to happen. And so then you'll start to be on that side. The child will start to see that. It's not going to be good for the child if everyone's saying they're going home, and you're like, hey, buddy, I really think you should stay here with me. Because I'm your dad, and I think I'm a way better parent than your parent that you're going to be going to. But good luck. Like that doesn't help anybody, you know. So no. be supportive of the situation. You know, it, it's a very, very emotional time for everybody involved, mm-hmm. and what they don't need is opposition from you in this. So you know that can be hard to hear, but I think it needed to be said. You're absolutely right. I mean, we talked about it in the very beginning. We said three to five kids reunify with their birth parent. Most parents will do whatever it takes to get their kids back. Yep. There could have been a situational issue that happened. It might not always be a drug-related thing or a abuse-related thing. It could be just a simple mishap, and they're wanting to reunify. They're wanting to do whatever it takes to get their kids back. And just because you think that you're a better parent or you have a better home or you have more money, let's just say, that does not mean that it's the right place. I mean, it goes right back to what re, what reunification is when we talked about it in the very beginning. It says reunification offers a second chance for parents and children to have a stable, happy, healthy family life. That's all we can ask for. And that's your job as a foster parent to provide that in the time being until they can reunify. And if that doesn't happen, then you can become that person for them. That's why we do this. We do this because we care about these kids. We want to be a, a light to these kids. I know when we signed up, we said we want to give a, a good home to a kid that loves Jesus, that loves taking care of kids, that loves making sure that they have a place to eat and a place to sleep and a family that will take care of them. That's why, that's why, we, saw, that's why we signed up. And um, I think it's hard to hear sometimes even though you think you are the better place to live, 
it's always good for them to go back with their family. Yeah. And I think do another job and we'll kind of wrap this up after this is encouraging that positive relationship. You know, the child may say, Dan, like you said, like a saying, I don't want to go. I want to stay here. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think you all have done a good job in encouraging that positive relationship with her aunt. And we've tried to do that as well. Like just helping them to understand that that is a safe place that they're going to, and they're going to be loved there and they mm -hmm. can't wait to see them like positive communication about the birth parent or about wherever they're going to be going is so important. Like the, if you are doing that, it is going to make the transition that much easier as it goes for them. I'm not saying it's going to be easier for you, <laughs> but you know, it, it's going to be easier for them if you're kind of talking them through you know, making sure you maintain that open communication with your caseworker so that you know what the timeline is. You're being supportive of the whole process and you're encouraging that positive relationship for the child and the birth parent or wherever they're going back to. So, you know, we talked about a whole lot today. Reunification is a big topic that we could probably spend weeks on. Uh, but what Dan and I really wanted to do and the goal of today was that you could see some of the kind of real life emotions that come with reunification. Obviously it's the goal, but like in your home, is it the goal? Do you always feel like that's the goal? And you may not, you may, you know, you get a child in your care and after a year they say that they're going to start to reunify and you're like, I don't, I don't think this is right. Like we shouldn't do this, but that's why, again, maintaining that open communication with the caseworker, making sure you know what's going on, making sure that they know what's going on in your home. You know, all of these things are going to help. You know, the more, the less unknowns that you have about the case, the better, I think. And so I'm thankful, at least in our scenario, that we have kept a really good communication with not only our caseworker, who is awesome, but the birth family as well. Just talking to mom and, you know, sending her pictures. And, you know, we've, we've been doing that since he came into our care. So, you know, these things are all important to help us prepare, you know, hopefully, Dan and I were able to give you a good real life picture of what reunification is potentially going to look like. And two, uh, I think it'll be a good idea for Dan and I both to kind of revisit this once, um, you know, these, these children are back home and, and back, uh, with their families and, you know, Maybe, maybe we'll get on that podcast and be like, this was a bad idea. My family's doing horrible, <laughs> but Please, we need to have some regulation now. Right. Um, but I think I that the, I think that the things that we're, you know, the, the things we talked about today and what we're preparing for and all of that and talking through it, even, I mean, you know, Dan and I talk to each other about this often. And so it's important to have that. And if you guys need that, if you're about to experience reunification, if you're not in our Facebook group, I will have it linked below. Please join, uh, share a little bit. You know, feel free to message Dan or I personally and mm. just let us know what's going on. We're, we're glad to help. We're here to help. And again, we don't know everything, but we think that in a large community, everybody can kind of collect a good enough answer or a good enough feeling or, or path forward for you. Absolutely. Um, reach out to us. We're here for you. Um, we can answer any questions that you might have. Um, and maybe you can answer some of our questions. We have a good group of guys um, in that group. Um, you can find us there. Or um, you can find us, our emails in there too. So just reach out to us. We're here for you guys. Um, and uh, today's been kind of a deeper one. I think we'll be going into this a lot more in the future too, you know, as things keep going forward. But I'm excited. 
Yeah, I'm excited. Um, you know, I think it'll be really cool. And then, you know, this is, again, kicking off our Sending Off series. So, you know, the next two episodes, we're going to talk about what emancipation looks like or, you know, when a child turns 18, when they decide that I don't want to be in foster care anymore, they can decide that they're an adult at that point. So what does that look like? How do you prepare if you're fostering teens? You know, what are some things you can do in your household and how can you prepare that teenager? Uh, and also independent living. Um, you know, this is something, again, that not every state, not every county has. Um, but if they do, it's it, there's some things I think that are very, very important that you have to prepare for in that. So, you know, stay tuned definitely for those episodes. We're excited to talk through those. I'll, I'll probably be doing a lot of talking in those episodes, I think, That's because okay. we, we've had some uh, personal experience now with, with two and almost a third that we're going to be kind of sending off into the world. Uh, and that's why we call it the sending off series. So we hope this is going to be educational for you all. We hope that you find community with us in this. And as always, thank you for listening. Bye.